Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. If you have your Bibles, this is where we are going today. We are going to Mark chapter four. We are looking at Mark chapter four, if you have your Bibles. If you do not have your Bibles, don't worry, because it will be on the screen for you. All right, Mark chapter four, this is where we're gonna start in our message today. I'm gonna read this text. I'll give you my title, then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into this word. So Mark chapter four, verse 35, here's what it says. It says, that day when evening came, He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was sleeping. Jesus had to rest too. Jesus had done a bunch of miracles and this actually demonstrates Jesus's humanity in that he was also needing to rest in the moment. But there's so much more to this text and we'll get to it. But Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He also needed a pillow. Look at your neighbor and say, you needed a pillow too. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Okay, look, it said, and the wind died down and it was completely calm. It doesn't say it was partly calm. It doesn't say it was kind of calm. It doesn't say it might have been calm. It says the wind died down at the simple command of peace be still from Jesus. The wind died down and it was completely calm. Verse 40, it says, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Last verse, verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. All right, so the title of my message today is this. Why are we so afraid? Why are we so afraid? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you would allow it to be delivered the way that you gave it to me, full of life, full of challenge, full of encouragement. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just hear this word, but every single person who hears this message, God, those who are in person with us, those who are listening to this message, Lord, we pray that they would not just hear it, but they would be doers of this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so afraid? All right, so this past week, um, like any good employee, I was taking time out of my day to have a conversation with other employees about fears. This was like what we used to call water cooler talk, Um, But because you can't gather around the water cooler anymore because of COVID, we were just having a conversation about fears. And in this conversation, people describe some of the different fears that they had. Maybe Maybe you yourself have some fears. 
Think to yourself, what are some fears that you might have? What are you afraid of? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you afraid of? In this conversation we were having, some people described that they were afraid of uh, snakes. Anyone afraid of snakes? They were describing, yes, I'm afraid of snakes. And then some people were describing that they were afraid of, this is the first time I had heard this, but they were afraid of octopus, which is kind of interesting, but they were afraid of octopus. Some people described that they were afraid of spiders. And again, this is a conversation just with random coworkers. Some people were afraid of spiders. And then there were some people who described that they were afraid of clowns. Anyone afraid of clowns? Now, some of these fears are rational, right? Like you could, you could make a case for being afraid of spiders. They crawl on you, they bite you, you get bug bites, and now you start itching for days. So you can make a case for being afraid of spiders. Some people had this rational fear of snakes. And you could make the case that snakes are scary, right? They hiss at you. They, they crawl on the ground. They pop up in random places like in the pipes in your toilet. And then all of a sudden you're on the toilet and you feel something crawling up your leg. And it's a snake. Can you imagine? That would make anyone terrified. So there are some rational fears. Then there's the irrational things like clowns, right? Could you think of a rational reason why clowns are terrifying? Not, not off the top of your head. Maybe you could think like, and I, some people were describing that, oh, it's just the facial expressions. Like, I can't tell what they're thinking. I can't tell what they're really feeling because they have this pain on their face. And so they were afraid of clowns. One person who was afraid of snakes described that when they were younger, they were in a swimming pool and a snake actually crawled around their neck. And that was the reason why they were afraid of snakes. There was one other person who described that they were afraid of balloons, which also seems irrational. But to this individual, they described that when they were younger, a balloon popped in their face and it actually popped their eye. And so you can imagine after that experience, of course, I'm afraid of balloons. Of course, I'm afraid of snakes. Of course, I'm afraid of some of these things. So you can make the case of what is rational, what is irrational, based on your experience. But in this conversation, it got me thinking about two things. The first thing that it got me thinking about was actually <laughs> this video here. And, and trigger warning for anyone who is actually afraid of what I'm about to show on the screen. But this conversation about fears got me thinking about this video. I'm gonna play this video and uh, again, Apologies, I'm going to preface this by saying that you might not find this funny. Maybe it takes a different type of sense of humor to find this funny, but I'm going to play this video and I will let you all be the judge. But here's what it got me thinking about. So Sally is afraid of green olives. And you, you might, if you've seen Maury, you've seen different shows where people are afraid of different things. There's one lady who was afraid of cotton balls. And they described that she was like, I don't like the sound, the sound they make. And then Maury says, of course, bring out the cotton balls. <laughs> and these people run in terror. So when I was having this conversation about what people are afraid of, it reminded me of that video. But it also reminded me of how fearful we have become as a society, right? You can imagine over the last one to three years, there's been so many different things that have happened that have caused people to be afraid. And so you might think of some things yourself, like what has happened in society to make us fearful? One of the things that you might think of is COVID. COVID has made people fearful of basic things like going out or, you know, even going to a concert or even going to, you know, the grocery store. Can you, can you remember when COVID first started, people would go to the grocery store? And this, this is probably on the more rational side. They were unsure how COVID was spread. And so they would wash their groceries. They would wash their grocery bags when they went to the grocery store. But it was something that made people fearful. Something else that makes people fearful is, you know, the, the government. Is the government trying to corrupt us? Is the government trying to put chips in our arms, right? Like some people were afraid of that. Then there's some people who were just afraid of political decision makers, right? Like what are they going to force us to do? Or what are they going to, what laws are they going to impose that will change the landscape of how we think of life and how we live today? So there's some people who are fearful of that. This one might resonate with all of you. People now are fearful of going to the gas station. 
it's like, man, I got to go to the, I got to, and not only that, but I got to fill my tank up at the gas station. I remember when gas, you could fill up your tank for $25, $30. Now, it don't matter what kind of car you have, it takes $100 to fill up your tank or close to it, unless you have an electric car, which you are just ahead of the game at this point, and God bless you. But then there's also some people who are afraid of the grocery store for other reasons. Now they're afraid because of inflation right? Like you go to the grocery store and what you used to be able to get tens of bags of groceries for 50 bucks. Now you can barely get milk and essentials for less than a hundred dollars. And so these are turning into different fears that we have, where maybe you've been following this war in Ukraine really closely. And so now you're afraid of what's happening for them, or you're afraid of what might happen to us or how things might spread. Regardless of what it is, we all have a different fear. You name it, there is something that undoubtedly strikes a chord with everyone these days that makes us a little bit afraid, a little fearful. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so afraid? But can I tell you that one of the things that is of the utmost importance for us is to remember that in spite of all these different things, in spite of all these things that might, we might be afraid of, in spite of all these different things that might cause fear on the inside of us, in spite of all the things that we see around us, there's a four word phrase that we have to remember. And that is God is in control. Regardless of what the fear is, regardless of what you're dealing with, that is a phrase that you have to repeat to yourself over and over and over. Fake it till you make it, but God is in control. God is in control. Whether you feel it or not, whether you sense it or not, God is in control. Look at someone and say, God is in control. And maybe you've questioned that fact, right? Maybe you've seen some things in your life or in your experience that makes you question whether God is truly in control. There are some people who might look to different things such as the universe, or there's some people who might look to different religions or astrology to, to find out what does the future hold for me or what does today mean for me as a person based on my zodiac sign. But the reality is that in spite of all of these things, God is in control. And maybe you've questioned that fact, but I am here to answer that question for you today that yes, God is in control and fear does not come from God. That is one thing we have to remember, right? Fear does not come from God. God does not give us a spirit of fear. Instead of, uh, in, instead of this spirit of fear, we should have this spirit of power and of a sound mind. And something I heard is that fear is from the enemy who wants us not to trust God, right? So the enemy wants you to be fearful because to fear or to have fear is to no longer trust in God. And if you're not trusting in God and fear is from the enemy, that means that I am making the decision to put my trust and my faith in the enemy, right? Who causes me to fear so that I don't trust God. But the reality is that we have to understand that God is in control. And fear comes from the enemy who wants us to believe the complete opposite of that four-word phrase, that God is in control. He wants us to think differently, but God is in control. So we read this text in Mark chapter 4 about the disciples and being in the boat and Jesus calming the storm. While the disciples were in the boat with, with Jesus and the waves were beating against the boat, they asked him this simple question. They said, do you not care if we drown? Right? Here they are asking Jesus, of all people, do you not care if we drown? Do you not see these waves? Do you not see this storm? Because again, Jesus was in the boat sleeping, right? He was in the back sleeping. And so he's, the disciples are asking him, like, you're sleeping on a comfortable pillow. Do you not care that we are about to drown? Do you not care for some dramatic text? Do you not care that we are about to perish? is what they're asking Jesus in this moment. They were full of fear in that moment. And what is interesting about them asking Jesus this question is that before all of this happened, Jesus had just come off of healing many demon-possessed people. 
And so the disciples were with him and they saw him heal these people who were demon possessed. They saw him heal Peter's mother-in-law from from illness. They saw him heal her, heal all these different people. And yet in the midst of all of that and after that, they're still asking him, like, do you not care about us? Like, because you're asleep and the storm is raging. Like, do, do you not actually care about us, they had seen Jesus do all these great things, but all of a sudden they were questioning him at the first sign of fear, right? Similar to Sally in this video, Sally was afraid of olives and here she is grabbing onto Maury, which is kind of like us when we are afraid of something. Before the fear and before the thing that we're afraid of actually becomes reality, here we are and we're holding on to God like, no, I'm afraid, like I'll just stay close to you. And then as soon as the fear or the thing that we're afraid of becomes reality for us, then we start running the other way. And not to say that God is Maury, but get the picture of us holding on to God in the moment before the fear is, in, is a reality. And then all of a sudden, once, it's, once we're faced with it, then we run the other way and we stop trusting in God. We stop holding his hand. We stop trusting his word. This is similar to what the disciples were doing. They had seen Jesus do all these miracles, so they were following him. But the moment they found themselves in danger, they started running the other way and questioning Jesus. Like, do you not care about us? Jesus then asked the disciples this, uh, this uh, and, and, and let me back up and say that this question probably sounds familiar for all of us, right? Have you ever been in a situation and you started to question like, man, does he actually care about us? Like, is he, is he here like witnessing what I'm going through? Like, do you feel like you have to wake God up sometimes? Like, hey, like, I, I don't know if you, if you know, but like, they about to lock me up unless you come through with something or, hey, I don't know if you know, but I'm about to lose my job because they're laying people off. And I don't know if you realize, Lord, but I got kids and they need to eat. And like, hey, are you going to come through or, hey, I've been dealing with this affliction for years now. Like, I don't know if you realize that I'm still hurting down here. I don't know if you realize that I'm still lonely. I don't know if you realize that I still haven't figured this whole thing out and I I don't know if I need to wake you up or not, but this sounds familiar to us where we start questioning God in the midst of adversity. Like, are you going to intervene? Or why are you? This is a popular question. Why does God allow certain things to happen? Right? It's a question that we have to contend with often. God, why are you allowing these things to happen? Even after we've seen God do miracles in our life, even after we've seen God do the simplest things like waking us up in the morning, we still find ourselves questioning him. So Jesus then asks the disciples the question um, that I believe we also have to contend with. And, and if any of those things I pointed out earlier resonates with you, being afraid of the government control or politics or COVID or inflation, or you find yourself just questioning God, the same questions the disciples had to grapple with, we have to grapple with as well. And it's the, it's the fact that Jesus asked the disciples, why are you so fearful? And I feel like that was Jesus like saying, like, do you not see me right here? Like, why are you so afraid? Like, what is it about this storm that makes you feel like I am not present? Like, what is it about this fear? What is it about these hardships? What is it about these troubles? What is it about the fear that makes it bigger than your faith? Right. That is always the thing that we have to remember, that we can't allow fear to be bigger than our faith. We can't allow our mountains to be bigger than our faith. And so Jesus asked the disciple this question that I think we have to ask ourselves as well. Why are we so fearful? What is it about today? What is it about the things that we're going through that makes us so fearful? And Jesus asked a follow up question. He says, how is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Or in other words, how is it that your faith is still so immature? Like, why is it that the moment that you face adversity, you start to forget who I am? You start to forget what I've done. Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And so I ask the same question. Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? I know things have been off the chain for the last few years. I mean, we've all been hit by something. And that's what makes this experience 
still encouraging. In spite of how difficult the last few years have been, what makes it encouraging is the fact that we all have to deal with it. It brings us all to another form of commonality. If it wasn't enough that we were all human beings and we all have that in common, we all know someone or have been uh, impacted ourselves by the things that have occurred in the last few years. And if you have, if you feel like you haven't been, I'm telling you now, this is your year to get COVID. I'm just telling you. Because everybody who didn't get it in 2020, everybody who didn't get it in 2021, it seems like everybody, even, the, even Fauci got COVID this year. So I'm telling you, if you haven't been impacted just yet, this is your year. Look at your neighbor and say, this is my year. This is my year for COVID. This is the year. And so it, it's just, it just brings us all back to this one commonality that we've all had something to go through and we all have to ask ourselves this question, why are we so fearful? I know it's been a struggle to get up every day and there's been stress and there's been anxiety and there's been pressure and we're feeling this, this pressure on us, especially now with, with everything that's going on, we feel it. It is, it, is not, it is no longer this abstract thing that, oh, I just need to stay as, I, as isolated as possible and I'll be okay. That's what COVID was, but now it's like, it's imminent. Like everything that's going on in society is impacting all of us one way or another. And so, yes, it's difficult and it's challenging. And I don't wanna invalidate your feelings, but the reality is that we can't allow our fear to be bigger than our faith. So here's what I wanna to do today. I wanna to remind us, I, wanna, I want us to remember who is in control and move past this idea of being fearful and into this realm of faithful. The way we do that is by fighting fear. Look at your neighbor and say, fight your fear and trust God. That is the way we have to do it. We have to fight our fear and trust God. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give us three simple things to do as we fight our fear and trust God. The first thing is this, believe Jesus is with you. I know that's very simple, but believe Jesus is with you. Look at your neighbor and say, believe Jesus is with you. All right, Mark chapter four, verse 35 through 36. Again, here's what it says. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Do you hear that? Did you catch that? They took Jesus with them. But for, the, for whatever reason, they almost forgot that Jesus was in the boat. Maybe it's because Jesus was asleep. But they basically, they took him with them. But yet in the middle of their fear, they forgot who Jesus was. They forgot that Jesus was in their boat. And so if you're going to forget that Jesus is with you, you will always find yourself trying to deal with fear alone instead of just turning to Jesus. Instead of just turning to Jesus and trusting Jesus in the moment, the disciples were full of fear. But we have to believe that Jesus is with us. There's two things that I believe the disciples forgot that we can't forget. The first thing is that storms will come. Like that's just the reality of, of what we're dealing with in life. Storms will come. And the second thing is the fact that Jesus is in your boat. Regardless of the storm and knowing that storms will come and that's imminent, that's what it is going to happen. It is inevitable that storms will come, but the silver lining, the gold within the dirt, the gold within the mess, the diamond in the rough, the diamond within all of that crap is the fact that Jesus is in your boat. So even if the storm comes, or rather, let me rephrase, even when the storms come, Jesus is still with the disciples, um, they, they, they heed Jesus's instructions and they go over to the other side. And as soon as they follow Jesus, what do we see happening? As soon as they start to follow Jesus, they end up in a storm. Can I remind you that scripture tells us that you, when you follow Jesus, when you become a follower of Christ, things don't get better automatically. It does not mean that all of a sudden everything is going to be strawberries, peaches, and cream. That is not what reality is like. The moment you start following Jesus, you can expect to start experiencing storms. But the reality is that Jesus is with you. When you follow Jesus, there will be storms. Being a Christian does not make you exempt from experiencing 
all the troubles that life has to offer. It does not make you exempt. It does make you a little bit more bulletproof, but it does not mean Scripture talks about no weapon formed against me will prosper, right? But it does not say that because you are a Christian, there won't be attempts. There won't be weapons that are formed. It just means that it won't penetrate your armor. It just means that it won't get to you. Yes, you will find yourself in the midst of troubles, but the simple fact that you are following Jesus means that those things can't get to you. And so Jesus is in your Boat. Don't allow the storms of life, COVID, war, inflation to cause us to forget who is in our boat. In other words, don't let these things cause us to forget who is on our side, right? Like in spite of everything, Jesus is fighting with me. When I face battles, when I face obstacles, I don't have to face it alone because I believe that Jesus is with me. So when I'm fighting something, I'm not just fighting it alone, but I'm fighting, with, fighting it with Jesus beside me. As a matter of fact, I am fighting behind Jesus. I'm allowing Jesus to lead the way and I'm just going for the ride. Like I'm allowing him to drive us through this. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Deuteronomy and it describes, it says, see how God led us through the wilderness, which reminds me that Jesus is leading us even through the wilderness, which reminds me that I don't have to face things alone. The moment the disciples were faced with this adversity, they turned to fear instead of turning to Jesus, and they thought they were about to die. So here they are stressing and worrying about all these things when Jesus was right there the whole time. They forgot about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was sleeping, but really it was just to demonstrate his humanity. At the end of the day, Jesus was never going to let the boat go under. Jesus wasn't going to let these disciples drown. So them asking him this question, Are, do you not care about us? Are you not worried about us? Jesus is like, of course I do. I also want to see how you're going to behave when things get rough. Right? That's what I think about often. When I'm faced with adversity or challenges, I always look at it as an opportunity to exercise my faith, as opposed to exercising fear. Because I know on the other side, it almost feels like Jesus is just watching, just to see, are you going to overreact about this thing? Are you going to allow this little pebble to turn into a stone, to turn into a mountain, and now you can't see me because you're allowing fear to grow beyond your faith? At the end of the day, when we're faced with adversity, we have to believe that Jesus is with us and allow him to gain control and remain in the driver's seat instead of allowing fear to cripple us because that's really what it does. When you start being afraid of things, think about the thing that you're most afraid of. It can almost cripple you to where you don't want to move. I know there are certain people in this room that if a rat ran past this room right now, this person would be crippled and just freeze. Or maybe there's other things that you might see where you're like, whoa, I, this, I, you would start stammering. You couldn't believe it. Fear cripples your ability to think logically. And so when I am fearful, I am not thinking about Jesus. I am not thinking about the logical thing. And that is in spite of what I might be afraid of, Jesus is still greater bigger than all of that. Don't allow fear to cause you to forget how to function. Don't turn to fear instead of faith when you're faced with an obstacle. It's a death trap. Turn to Jesus who saves and gives life. So if we are going to get over our fear and the things that we see, we have to believe that Jesus is with us. All right, the next thing we got to remember is this. Be still in the storm. Be still in the storm. I know that's hard because when we deal with certain things, it's like we want to fix it ourselves. When we go through certain things, it's like, how can I fix it? How can I make it better? How can I change it? What can I do? What can I? What can I? What can I? What can I? And the reality is that you don't have to do anything except for be still in the middle of the storm. Here's what I think about it. Well, first, let's, let's read this. Mark chapter 4, verse 37 through 38. It says, in a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Let me tell you, I don't think Jesus would have woken up if it weren't for the disciples. I think Jesus probably would have stayed asleep throughout the storm if it wasn't for the disciples. 
You know, in California, we experience earthquakes every now and again. Someone who's not from California, when they experience an earthquake, one of the first things that they do is they'll get up and they'll run. Where do I go? What do I do? How can I, how can I get out of this? But anyone from California, when you experience an earthquake, most times y'all be sleep through it anyway. Y'all don't feel it unless someone comes the next day and says, did you hear, did you feel that earthquake? Did you feel that earthquake? And you're like, no, I had no idea there was an earthquake. I feel like the disciples were the people who are, who are not used to earthquakes or who are sensitive to earthquakes or who are fearful to earthquakes. And when there's an earthquake, they go and rush and they go wake the person up. Whereas Jesus probably would have remained sleeping throughout the storm. Jesus actually demonstrates for us how we should behave when things get out of control. In this text, he demonstrates for us how we should behave when things get out of control, how to behave in the midst of chaos. While the disciples were probably fighting for their lives, trying to figure out what do we do? How are we going to make it? We're in a storm. Jesus was asleep. Jesus was still. Jesus was calm in the midst of the storm. If you want to know how you should react when things get difficult in your life, Look to Jesus in this text. Sleep on it. Why are you going to worry about it? Why are you going to stay up all night when things are going tough for you instead of allowing Jesus to handle it? Jesus wants to stay up all night and deal with it. Jesus wants you to rest. Jesus wants you to have peace. Jesus wants to fight the battle. So let him be still in the storm. Don't feel like you always have to race to go and fix things and change things. And it's by your power that things get better because that's not the reality. Things get better and things change simply by the sound of Jesus's voice and the simple command that he gave to the water when it was raging. He got up. He said, peace, be still. And the storm was calm. I just want to let you know and remind you, you don't have that kind of power. You, you can't do that. In the midst of the storm, if you were to stand up in the middle of the boat and say, peace, be still, a wave would probably smack you in the face. You go flying off the boat and that's it. You don't have the kind of power to calm the storm, but Jesus does. So be still in the storm. We are familiar with this term, the calm before the storm, but Jesus demonstrates that in spite of the impending storm, in spite of what was happening around him, Jesus remained calm. Sort of this idea of calm before the calm. Jesus was calm all through the storm because he knew that at the sound of his voice, the wind and the waves had to obey him. You have to remember that at the sound of Jesus's voice, all of your obstacles, all of your challenges, every demon, every enemy who tries to fight against you, at the sound of Jesus's voice, it all has to cease. There is no storm, there is no enemy, there is no battle, there is no war, there is nothing that can come against the power and the word of Jesus. Does everybody have a, a, a life verse in this room? You have a life verse that you live by, a scripture where you're like, man, this is the one, maybe it's the one scripture that you can only memorize. Like I can't memorize any other scripture, but this one. And so it turns into your life verse. My life verse is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And I'll read this whole thing. It says, I will not be unsettled by these trials. That verse right there has resonated with me Ever since I read it years ago, I will not be unsettled by these trials. It goes on to say, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. So why will I not be unsettled by the trials? Why will I not allow things to impact me and change my mood and influence my behavior? Because I know that we are destined for the trials. So why am I going to trip when I know the storm is going to come? Why am I going to get all up in arms and get worried and be concerned and start trying to fight something that I know is imminent that's going to happen anyway? Verse four, it continues on and says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. This is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica. He says, and it turned out that 
that way, as you well know. Verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Paul was trying to make the point that difficulties are to be expected in Christian life. And he was warning the church and warns us inevitably about afflictions and things that will happen. And the scripture teaches us that those who live godly lives should expect some resistance. You should expect to experience a storm. In fact, Christ warned his disciples that they would experience the same type of rejection that Christ experienced himself. And now Paul is obviously talking about suffering for the gospel and being persecuted for the gospel, but any hardship that we are faced with, any challenge, any resistance, any difficulties should not cause us to worry because we know that we are destined for these trials. We should not be unsettled. Our faith should not be moved because of our trials or circumstances, but we should remain steadfast in our faith and be still in the storm. What do you do when storm comes? What do you do when the storms come? Are you calm? Are you cool? Are you collected? Or do you try to control it yourself? The reality is that we have to be still in the storm. For so many of us, we try to do the latter. We try to control. We try to figure it out. We try to find our way through it when we should be trusting Jesus. Here's a quote that I love that you can apply to many different things in life, whether it is a job, whether it is a gift, whatever it is, you can apply this quote to your life. When we do things we don't do well, things don't go well. I'll say that again. When we do things that we don't do well, things don't go well. You are not good at handling all of your problems yourself. You're not good at it. You don't do those things well. And so why not trust God and allow him to figure it out for you? Because when you do things you don't do well, things don't go well. You weren't created to calm the winds and the waves. The winds and the waves are not subject to your control. Stop trying to control what only God can. Be still in the storm. I'm going to read this, this text from Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 through 11. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. Um, we typically will look at verses 10 or 11, and, and even the, this, this, this particular point is from verse 10 that describes uh, that we should be still and know that he is God. So that's a very familiar text. But when you read the entirety of Psalm 46, it just brings new life to the situation. It brings a new meaning. It gives you such encouragement. Here's what it says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Again, look at your neighbor and say, be still in the storm. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. So even though you might feel like, man, I'm going through it and like, when is this going to be over? God will help just at the break of dawn, just, just when you think things couldn't get worse, just when things start to turn, just when things start to feel like they've been worse than they've ever been, God will help. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. 
If you are going through something and you find that fear is starting to get the best of you, whether it is anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's anything that starts to steal your joy and starts to steal your peace, open up Psalm chapter 46 and read verses 1 through 11 to be reminded that God is a present help, that God is a peaceful river, that God, the Holy Spirit, works in the storm, that in spite of what you're seeing around you, he is God. That is who he is. That is who he will remain. So why shouldn't we, why should we be still in the storm? Again, I'll say it again. He is a present help. He is a peaceful river. The Holy Spirit works in the midst of the storm. And at the end of the day, he is God. So let him do his job. Because at the end of the day, God is better at his job than we are at ours. So let him do what only he can do. Be still in the storm. All right, so the last point here, the last point that we'll end with today. Face your fears faithfully. Face your fears faithfully. If you are going to get over the things that you are afraid of, anybody who deals with the psychology of the mind when it comes to fears and phobias and things of that nature, even our video, I know it was funny, but the video for this lady actually was helpful because anyone who works with phobias will tell you that one of the things that you have to do is you absolutely have to face your fears. Whatever it is, you have to face it. If you are afraid of rats, get a pet rat. Get a pet rat. If you are afraid of snakes, let's go and get you a snake. And maybe you and the person who's afraid of rats can get together and you can feed that snake those rats. If you are afraid of anything, you have to face your fears. But here's how we have to do it as believers. We have to face our fears faithfully. In Mark chapter four, verse 38 through 40, here's what it says. It says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We have to face our fears faithfully. I think of this as a twofold application. The first one is we have to face our fears faithfully in the sense of not wavering, but having confidence that if God got us through something before, God can and will do it again. So faithfully in the sense of I have to be faithful to Jesus. I have to be faithful and committed that I am going to face these things. Any obstacle, any challenge, I am going to rise to the occasion. Jesus in this text, he contrasts fear with faith and he equates fear with no faith. When he asks the question, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He is basically equating these two things. He's basically saying that because you are afraid, you have no faith. Faith here means trust in God's helping power in crisis. So in other words, Jesus is telling the disciples, why are you afraid? Do not trust my helping hand in the middle of a crisis. And so when we're afraid of things that we see, I feel like God is asking us, asking us the same question. Do you not help, do you not trust my helping hand in the midst of crisis? Do you not trust my power in the midst of crisis? In the midst of all of this, Jesus, again, he's equating this fear and this faith, and he's basically saying that he is a help that is both present and active. I am here. Do you not trust my power? Do you not trust that I am with you? Do you not trust that I am here in the midst of what you're dealing with? In other words, this means why would I, why would I even question if he cares if we drown? Why would I even question that? Why would I even ask Jesus? Why would I even ask Jesus if he knows what I'm experiencing? He knows everything that we're experiencing. Why am I gonna even ask that question if I am full of faith? I believe instead that he is in control and therefore I can sit back with full assurance that he cares for me and he will take care of me and he'll, he's gonna bring us through the next thing. He's gonna bring us through this thing 
and the next thing. So I have to be faithful in that sense, faithful, committed, unwavering. The next thing that it makes me think about, another application of facing your fears faithfully is to be faithful. That that means to have a faith that is fully developed and mature. Jesus asked this question, do you still have no faith? And on the surface, it feels like, okay, you you don't believe in me. You have no faith at all. You don't have any active faith. In other translations, you might see it described as, oh, you of little faith. And so what he's actually describing is this word that he uses. The word that he uses for faith is actually this word um, oligopistus, which means small faith. So oligos meaning small Pistis means faith. So he's saying you have small faith in this moment. Why do you have small faith? Why is your faith immature? So when you're going through something and you start running towards, you know, you start being fearful rather than running towards Jesus, I think he's asking us the question, why do you have such small faith? Why do you have such little belief that I can get you through this? When we start to take things into our hands and we start to control things ourselves, we have to ask our question. We have to ask ourselves the question, why do I have such little faith in God? Why is it that I'm holding on to this thing? Why do I trust God so little? What is it about this thing that makes me trust God less? And if you're and if you're dealing with something you feel like you can't overcome it, maybe write that thing down. What is it about this thing that makes you trust God less? I trust this thing or I trust or I I have faith in my fear more than I have faith in God because of X. And if you feel like God is unable to overcome that thing, then that's it. You're just going to succumb to fear? Because newsflash, God can overcome and has overcome every single obstacle. You have overcome every single obstacle obstacle you have faced. You have won 100% of the battles you have been in to this point. Right now, the battle that you just got over, you won that. The 100 battles that you faced before today or before this last week, you won that. But it wasn't because of your own self. It was because of God. So what is it about the new thing that's going to come that makes you have little faith in God? Jesus, in this moment, he's describing a faith that lacks confidence and trust, and it trusts too little. Another way or or another term that you could describe the faith that he's describing when he's talking about the disciples is he's talking about undeveloped faith. It's not just complete distrust. It's not apistus. It is undeveloped faith. So what is it about your faith that is underdeveloped? We have to be faithful. We have to have a faith that is fully developed and mature that says, in spite of whatever I go through, whatever it is, I will make it. Jesus, in this, in this boat, in this moment with the disciples screaming and yelling, Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you, don't you? I wonder how Jesus was feeling in that moment. I wonder if he was like, yo, like, I'm Jesus. Like, haven't y'all seen me work before? Haven't y'all seen me do things before? Why is it that you have so little faith? In the text that we read, it talks about how other boats follow, which is really interesting to think about. And it feels like it's just a little note in there, but there's always a reason why things are included in scripture. Even when it feels very insignificant, there is always a big significance to it. Again, the text describes that Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples, but there's other boats that follow, meaning that Jesus wasn't in all of the boats that were following along. And so when I'm dealing with something, when I am full, can you imagine what the other people in the other boats must have been going through? Can you imagine the type of faith that they had to have knowing that they were going through a storm and Jesus wasn't in their boat? Here the disciples had Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth in their boat and they were still afraid. Can you imagine what people who didn't have Jesus in their boat were feeling? I like to think that those people exercise the greatest amount of faith in that moment because they didn't get to see Jesus on the other side of the boat. They didn't get to see that. 
they were probably, they probably had the storm raging around them, clouded their vision, so they probably couldn't even see the boat that was that Jesus was in. I imagine that they had to exercise the most extreme amount of faith in that moment. And so we don't know what's happening. The Bible doesn't tell us what's happening in that boat, but they had to have exercised such great faith. And here's what I believe. I believe the true measure of faith is not how you react when things are in your favor. It is not how you react when everything is going great, when all the things are, when, when things seem like it is truly going well. That is not the true measure of faith. The true measure of faith is how you respond when the odds are stacked against you, when it feels like Jesus is not in your boat, when it feels like uh, it's just us in this boat, when we can't see Jesus because of the things that are in front of us, when it feels like our vision is clouded, when I can't feel or see or hear Jesus, that is when our faith is of the utmost importance. That is when our faith is acting at its fullest potential, when we can't see him, but yet we still trust him to get us through this. Even though the, the other boat didn't have Jesus physically present, they still made it out because even though we can't see God working, he is working. Even though we can't feel it, we started this message by describing that God is in control. Even when we can't feel it, even when we can't see it, God is in control and he's working on our behalf. So the next time you face a storm, think about it. Think about the other boat. Think about the boat that followed. Think about the boat that was not, that didn't have Jesus in it. Think about how they were feeling and how they must have reacted. We should think about the other boats that followed and be intentional about demonstrating the type of faithful and faithful response that they must have had. We have to face our fears faithfully if we're going to overcome the things that we are afraid of. Look at your neighbor again and say, why are you so afraid? Don't you trust God? Look at your neighbor and say, don't you trust God? We have to realize that God is in control. We have to believe that Jesus is with us. We have to be still in the storm and we have to be intentional and committed to facing our fears full of faith. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the room. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you wanna partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrovechurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call The Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.